3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. i got to one of my friends I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just entertainment, educate, teach. So call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. No reason to worry about profit-taking as long as the money stays in the market. And that's exactly what happened today. As traders rang the register on big tech all morning, and then swapped into the lagging banks, oils, drugs, industrials. There's no reason to worry about profit taking as long as the money stays put. And that's how the Dow gained 153 points. S&P advanced 0.51 percent, and then Nasdaq dipped 0.16 percent. That's a nice comeback from the bottom. It's a very encouraging day and week for the averages. Now, it was an odd mix of winners, given that interest rates continued their inexorable rise. (laughs) This is not the kind of environment where traders would typically buy the industrials or the drug stocks. But I think we had this kind of move precisely because traders are afraid. They're afraid of not being in stocks right now. And that is a very nice change from the nauseating selling pressure we've gotten quite used to since the Fed declared war on inflation back in November. And so many stocks are in tatters, down 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent from their highs. The market's rally seems a little surreal, though, given what's happening in Ukraine. I'm not exactly comfortable with the idea of a corner of Putin ready to spring tactical nuclear weapons on the Ukrainians, something our intelligence agencies keep hitting at. Then again, as the day went on, Russia started making noises about scaling back its ambitions and only focusing on the eastern part of Ukraine, where they've been uh, backing separatist militias for years. If Putin's really given up on Kyiv. That is a good thing. I mean, who knows how high this market would go if Putin declared victory in return for a neutrality pact and a pledge for Ukraine to be part of some new uh, kind of Kiev Warsaw Pact. Remember the Warsaw Pact of old? Let me give you another view, too. Just like in 1990 when Iraq invaded Kuwait, there were money managers who remained forever hopeful that Saddam would pull out and we wouldn't have a war. It turned up to be a crazy assumption back then. I think it's equally crazy to assume that Putin will just throw in the towel. That's not his style. Then again, it increasingly looks like Russia simply can't beat Ukraine in a conventional way, at least not in a way that matters like they did with, uh, with the Chechnyans and, uh, and Grozny, meaning they, they can't have total colonial subjugation. Too many people, too many buildings, too much of, of, uh, uh, of powerful allies. So now traders are terrified that they won't have enough, won't have enough stock in the unlikely event that peace breaks out over the weekend. In other words, they cover their shorts. This is what happened endlessly in 1990. With that in mind, what's in the game plan for next week? All right. There's not much in the way of earnings on Monday, but I'm hoping to get a read on the flagging retail sector. And boy, as you heard from Melissa's show before me, it's awful. And we got Dave and Buster's. That's, they're part of the close. They're both restaurant stocks and retailers. And those two have become prized in this market. Some people think. I uh, seem to think that high inflation is destroying these two cohorts. I don't know. Hey, maybe the and Buster tell us they have a very smart manager. Let's see what they have to say. Tuesday's packed with companies that could rock and roll the market. In the morning, we get results from McCormick, the spice company. And I think this inventive company will deliver an excellent number and surprise once again. We keep hearing that the hybrid workforce is here to stay. Well, you know what that means? It means people continue to cook at home. McCormick's been as dependable as they come since the pandemic got rolling, and I bet this time will be no different. After the close, we hear from two companies that stand at the crossroads of this market, and they're Micron and Lulu. Lululemon. Micron, the commodity chipmaker, has seen its stock plunge from 98 in January to 78 today. I think it can tell a good story, a story about demand coupled with not enough new supply to upset the Apple card of pricing. To me, Micron, not Intel, is the real hero of American semiconductor manufacturing. So if you're looking for a play on domestic chip production, have at it. It's going to be Micron my blessing to buy. As for Lulu, well, apparel has been in the crosshairs of the sellers, even as most of these companies are holding up pretty well. Lulu is a best-of-breed operator, yet sellers keep surfacing every time the stock lifts. Maybe they can stem the selling with this conference call. It's been its own private bear market. I want to know how Mirror is doing. That's that their smart home gym device that my daughter loves so much. Uh, also, after the close, speaking of bear markets, we got results from PVH. That's the parent of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfger, which is being clobbered by the soaring price of cotton. Every commodity seems scarce these days, especially the ones that go into apparel. I'm not looking for a big quarter, but nobody else is either. So PVH stock hasn't done much in ages. Maybe something happens positive. Hey, speaking of stories that could be positive that haven't worked out, RH, which is just delivered, delivered, delivered. That's the retailer from Linonis Restoration Harbor. This is an experiential high-end chain with gorgeous stuff that's doing amazing things to entertain and entice its customers into its mansions, palace, whatever you want to call them. RH has a habit of crushing the numbers, sending its stock into the stratospheres that very evening. Only see it drift down steadily, drip by drip, down, drip until the next quarter. When the same thing happens again, well, here we are. And I'm betting the story repeats itself. This is not just some furniture chain. It's a series of destinations where you buy incredible stuff. Somehow Wall Street doesn't understand that. Maybe one day they will. Maybe you have to buy it with uh, Deep in the Money calls. Wednesday morning, we find out how America's small business paymaster is doing when we hear about from Paychex. In truth, that's no longer actually the full story. Paychex has become a partner handling many human resources needs for small, and medium-sized enterprises. This company has a history of delivering beat and raise quarters with this red-hot labor market. I doubt they can disappoint. At the same time, we get results from Five Below. That's the $5 store, and lots of analysts have been praising this one lately. I suspect that means they're going to have good numbers because Wall Street hasn't been too enthusiastic about retail in general. Now, this is still a great concept. Kids love it. Family safe. Even as sadly, much of the merchandise, I believe, is going to be destined for the landfill. Thursday morning, Walgreens Boots Alliance reports. And I'm hoping for some improvement here because the performance gap between Walgreens and its main competitor, CVS, has gotten absurder, which one not Walmart- they flip which one was in the Dow. That's right. In the old days, CVS and Walgreens were a pair of so-so operators. But then CVS bought uh, Aetna, Larry Merlot, smart idea, and became much more of a healthcare destination, a decision that suddenly looked very smart once COVID came along, and they won lots of long-term business. What's Walgreens going to do to challenge them? I don't know. Let's find out. Finally, on Friday, big, the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report comes out. And I fear that it will show the tightest labor market in 50 years. Now, I know that means jobs are plentiful, but talent isn't, which means wage inflation leading to a price inflation into an endless spiral. Now, many of you might think that full employment is a high quality problem. But the uh, Federal Reserve has to balance job growth with price stability. They've done an amazing job making sure people can get hired. But now their goal is to stamp out inflation, plain and simple, which means a strong employment number will give the Fed cover to slam the brakes on the economy even harder than they seem to want to. So if you're a bull, you have to hope that we get a disappointing labor report. Or perhaps you think that this is the last too strong one. And you want to buy off of that. If Fed chief j Powell doesn't catch a break soon when it comes to inflation, then it's 50 basis point rate hikes for as far as the eye can see. I think that goes against PAL's instincts. But at this point, long term interest rates have gotten so high versus where they were a year ago that I think the bond markets are already pricing in some very aggressive short term rate hikes from the Fed. But the bottom line, even if we get lots of inflationary data next week I think it's already being reflected in the stock market as we come to accept the fact that the Federal Reserve is on a mission to kill inflation now, something that the market is deciding might be better for stocks than we ever thought possible even one month ago. Let's go to Max in Illinois, please. Max. Hey, what's up, Jim? Not much. How about you, Max? What's going on? Looking for the weekend. What's happening? Yeah, me too. Happy Friday. Hey, um,
4: interested in that had a huge run-up in 2021. Uh, It's been backtracking since.
1: Uh, They had record Q4 earnings. They beat estimates for a fourth time in a row, and their future forecast is above expectations. Quality franchise and terrific
4: CEO were your words before. What do you think of Dick's Sporting Goods ahead of the summer? Okay, uh, I've
3: been talking again about these companies that sell things, profitable returns of money to shareholders, and Dick's is what I'm talking about. This sells at eight times earnings. That's part of the bear market. The bear market since November. High-quality retailers selling at eight times earnings—that just makes no sense to me. I th- I totally agree with you. I think it's a buy. Let's go to Stephen in California, please. Stephen. Hey
4: Jim, A huge fan from Sacramento.
3: Oh man, the old days. 10th and P. What's happening?
4: Hey, my question for you is: Given today's current market, would a debt-free growth company like Palantir be able to outpace the S and P, given its ties to cybersecurity? and supply chains for businesses. Well, I thank think you. it's
3: it's possible, but I'm not recommending stocks that aren't making money right now. There's so many in that. I mean, I can tell you by Palo Alto. I'd much rather have you do that. I I just, I have to admit, I've been hardline on this. The companies that are losing money are not going to have a friend with Jim Cramer and may have money. Let's go to Michelle in New Hampshire. Michelle.
4: Hi, Jim. Great to meet you.
3: Oh, same, Michelle. Thank you so much for calling.
4: First, I want to say Thank you. My husband gave me his book, Get Rich Carefully, a oh, few days ago. Thank you. I know, I know, right? It's not that romantic. But it was a great gift. Taught me a ton. Helped me to grow our wealth. Well,
3: so thanks. For helping it's not, not Anna Karenina. But, you know, it'll have to do.
4: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so here's my dilemma. I am staring down the barrel of a 25% loss in the value of my position in Clorox. I can wait for it to recover, or I could cut bait and put that money to work elsewhere. My question for you, Jim, is the Should I hold or sell?
3: This is so hard. Clorox is not doing well. So many of their different divisions aren't doing well. If they don't have a good grilling season, it's going to be tough. Uh, they've got a good balance sheet. It only yields three and a half when rates are going higher. I'm gonna to have to say that I think it's 50/50 on this. This is a push, uh, and I I feel badly about that. I think I think that Linda Rendell's doing very good. I don't like her portfolio. Plain and simple, I don't like it. Now, even if we get inflationary data next week, I think it's already reflected in the stock market. Unless the market has a huge run into Friday, that would be disappointing. We don't want to see that. May have money tonight. DLocals on a mission to find, to bring payment processing to emerging countries. The company's from Uruguay. And I'm learning more about the company's prospects to so the CEO. Again, a stock that's down to from the high. Then there's a new utility investment out there. So I'm taking a look at Constellation Energy Group to see if this nuclear power, largely power producer, could help power your portfolio. A lot of power's there. And diversity. Is one of the most important investing lessons I know. Uh, Gary Gensler, my friend from the SEC, always taught, he taught me that. So am I diversified, we're gonna play it tonight and see if your portfolio passes the test. Stay with Kramer.
2: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag madTweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com.
0: engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Well, look, we've been talking a lot about the end of the bear market. I talked about that with uh, overtime Scott Wapner. And uh, so what I mean is that I think it may be finally safe to start picking among the rubble of some of the, these companies who's down so big from their highs, the rubble of last year's IPOs, provided you only look at real companies with real earnings. So tonight, I've got a new one. I'm trying to deliver these ones to you because they're so low. This one's called Dlocal, and it's Uruguay-based. Probably don't know anything in your portfolio from Uruguay. And it's a payments company that came public in June of last year. Like so many others, this one came in hot. IPO pricing 21, stock opening at 31. Surging to 73, sorry for anyone who bought at that price, but it wasn't my fault, at its peak last September. But then both the IPO complex and the financial tech space started rolling over, which sent D-Local back down to the low 20s last week. So anybody who did the dip buying at the 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, done. They're out, blown out. Since then, the stocks rebounded to $30 and change, in part because the company reported a great quarter last Monday. Numbers are extraordinary. d total payment volume grew 193%, while their earnings increased by 150% year-over-year. That's sales earnings. My one caveat is that the group remains out of favor in the stock's expense of trading in 46 times next year's earnings estimates. Still, it does deserve a premium valuation. We're just trying to figure out what that premium should be. So, is it too late or too soon to take a chance on this one? Is the timing finally right? Let's check in with Sebastian Kanovich. He's the CEO of DLocal to get a better sense of his business and where it is headed. Mr. Kanovich, welcome to Mad Money.
1: Hi, Jim. How are you? Thanks very much for having me. All
3: right, well, Sebastian, I've got to tell you, I think this is an incredibly interesting company, but the one thing I think people need to know is where does D-Local fit in in the food chain of when they buy something? Because it's really more commercial than it is individual.
1: Sure. So Great question. The first important point is that we are absolutely transparent in front of the end user. So, what we do is we build infrastructure for global companies to be able to reach emerging market consumers. So, a user in Nigeria, in India, in Brazil, will be buying using our own rails, but they will never realize. They'll be saying, I bought from Amazon, I bought from Microsoft, I bought from Shopify, and that's the way we like it. We generally believe that there's a need for infrastructure in emerging markets, and we are providing for that.
3: Now, uh, one of the reasons why I was so excited, my friend Bill Ford, who runs General Atlantic, whom we both know, because it's one, one of, uh, of your shareholders, was telling me, listen, you're from Uruguay. And from when I was, when I was a little boy, I always heard, listen, there is the be- the two best democracies in the world are United States and Uruguay. So you're the first person I've ever been able to interview from there. But the truth is, you're based there, but you're really a global company.
1: Totally. So a- any given day, you'll find people from the local working from China, from South Africa, from Bangladesh, from the U.S., obviously from Uruguay, which is where we started. So the nature of our business is extremely distributed in the sense that we are building infrastructure that comes from multiple emerging markets. Today, we operate across 35 countries. We are very proudly Uruguayan, but we're also very proudly global.
3: Now, your growth is really quite amazing. We're a star for growth that's 20, 30 percent right now from our major companies. Your growth is five, six times that. How is that possible?
1: So, we've been very lucky to grow last year. Uh, we almost tripled our business. Our revenues grew 134%. At the end of the day, those are consequences to the value we are adding to our customers. We, we make sure we find very complex problems for these global companies that are navigating emerging markets. There's a reality. Most of the growth for U.S., Chinese, and European companies are coming from regions like Latin America, Africa, and APAC. Uh, and We are leveraged to that growth. So. Our role is to make sure we provide them with infrastructure, and we are very lucky to have customers that grow really fast, and and we are definitely tied to that growth.
3: Okay, so uh, when I was talking with someone about you, they said, well, if MasterCard wanted to do that, wouldn't they be wiped out? And I presume that you're actually partnering with companies, not competing with companies like that.
1: Totally. So both Visa and MasterCard play a very important role in in this ecosystem. They've been building great infrastructure, the reality or or the main challenge is that users in emerging markets do not have access to a Visa or MasterCard. To give a sense, today 65% of our transactions are done over a non-card base. So these are cash methods, bank transfers, local wallets, and those are becoming more and more relevant. But definitely Visa and MasterCard have been great partners for us along this ride. Right,
3: uh, the JP Morgan. Because when people are going to look at your company, they're going to say, "Well, that seems really interesting." Is the research shape Morgan's a piece? And they use a phrase that I'm not familiar with. They say, "Delocal offers both pay-in and payout services to its clients." What is pay-in, pay-out?
1: Sure. So, pay-in, it's a user buying from a company. Let's say a user uh, goes into Amazon.com, they want to buy any any product. That's what we call a pay. Pay-out, it's exactly the opposite flow. Payout it's over or Airbnb or DD paying out a host, a creator, uh, a driver. Uh, Fundamentally, it's different use cases. The infrastructure uh, providing it's 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 exactly the same. But it's really important to be able to do both sides of the equation. That's where the real value comes in. Global companies need to be local in emerging markets. And you just it's not just enough to be able to collect from users. It's also extremely important to be able to pay back uh, and send funds into those countries.
3: Now. Uh, when you reported last, I know that there was an analyst who felt that up 193 year-over-year wasn't that good because you were only up 2% sequential, and that therefore it was a miss. Now, in the world that I'm from, that is not anything but a miss. But there'll be people who say, well, listen, Jim, you like this stock. It's going down a lot. I'm saying that your business is actually quite strong, and that's unrealistic to think that you're going to grow 10% sequentially. I mean, that doesn't make—no company can do that.
1: Jim— Obviously, we we are proud to be held to to a high standard. Uh, We've we've done really well out of our IPO. We are still uh, way on top of our IPO price. We've been able to grow at triple digits, but we've also been profitable. And I, I guess these days, that's also a very special thing. We've built this company from the ground up. We bootstrapped for most of our history. So we have this DNA where we like customers paying for our services, and we like to run a profitable company. Having said that, we obviously focus on growth. We believe that 198% growth in TPV, 134% growth in revenue are very healthy numbers. We're going to continue to pursue growth, but we believe it needs to be done under a profitable way. It's, it's a healthy way of building a company for the long term, which is what we are trying to do.
3: Do you ever, would you ever come to New York? I would love to have you on personally, because I think people are saying to some of my staff that this is the We do a lot talk about emerging markets in Russia and China. These are repressive countries that do things that we would never allow in our country. I would like to buy emerging market stocks in countries that I feel comfortable going with myself. And I think where you're from would be would, that would be an accurate depiction.
1: Jim, first of all, I appreciate it. Again, I am super proud that you have Uruguay that highly. We we we, we think we have a very unique story coming out of Uruguay. hopefully one from many to come. And yes, I'll be in New York in three weeks, so I'll be very happy to be there.
3: All right. Fantastic. I, I, I think you have a, fanta- a great story. I was in Mercado Libre at 20, so I'm not, you know, I'm not foreign to where, to what works down there. And I think it's just terrific that you came on the show. That's Sebastian Kanavich, CEO of d the symbols, D-L-O. Guys, some of these stocks that have come down a lot have a lot of great growth. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much, James. Thanks if, for having
3: me. We need to start thinking about companies that went down a great deal, that are doing terrific, that have been given up on. I think d has been given up on, and I think it's a mistake. Man, money's back in for the break. Coming
2: up, can possible answers to a looming energy crisis also be solutions to your portfolio? If your eyes are on energy, then tune your ears to Kramer, next.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What do we do when Russia's invasion of Ukraine has triggered a global energy crisis? I say it's time to go nuclear. Though not nuclear war, my philosophy of nuclear weapons is best expressed by Sun Ra and his outer space orchestra. When they push that button, your assets got to go. I'm talking about nuclear power. Now, nukes have gotten a bad rap for ages because they're not as safe as renewables. Obviously, you don't want a Chernobyl or a Fukushima situation. That said, I've been pro-nuke from the days when I slept in my car across the road from Rancho Seiko. A very cool nuclear power plant in Sacramento since decommissioned, where no one seemed to mind, even though they just experienced the third worst nuclear safety accident in U.S. history. I always felt safe sleeping nearby, but who knows if maybe it had some latent impact. My health aside, at a time when so many world leaders want to reduce their dependence on fossil fuels, nuclear power is the easiest way to make that happen in scale. Uh, and I've got to tell you, I, I think that it's finally registering with governments around the world that no longer want to be hostage to Russian oil and gas. So it's a good thing that we actually have a nuclear power stock, and it's called Constellation Energy Group, CEG for you home gamers. Here's a company that was spun off by Exelon, the big Chicago-based utility, in a deal that was completed in early February. And I think it's a stock whose time has come. Or some people would say it's already come, Jim, because it's moved a lot. But listen to me. Constellation is the largest producer of carbon-free electricity in America. While eighty-six percent of their output comes from nuclear power plants in Illinois and the Northeast, they also have some hydroelectric, some wind, and some solar exposure. It's like this thing was really designed for the current environment and all these ESG funds. Why do I say that? First of all, we're headed uh, for a Federal Reserve mandated Federal slowdown, right? You and I know that. And when the Fed's tightening aggressively, hedge funds love to hide in defensive stocks like the utilities. Constellation Energy is really perfectly fit. It's, it's the perfect mantra. It's a real company with a real service, real earnings, reasonable valuation, and even a dividend, although it only yields a little more than 1% here. Still better than nothing. This is exactly the kind of conservative business that works during times of uncertainty. Second, I think the twin imperatives of going green and freeing our European allies from the dependence on Russian natural gas has created a perfect moment for nuclear power. And I think a lot of countries in Canada, they've they've embraced it. small form. It's going to happen. This time, finally. We know President Biden is ready to go all in, all in on liquefied natural gas exports. Imagine how much more we could free up if our government were just willing to embrace the nukes, the ones that can be built. So let's take a closer look at this one. Constellation Energy is a complicated history. It's actually a publicly traded company before until it was acquired by Exxon a decade ago. Then last year, Exxon decided to spin, spin it off, spin off its non-regulated power generation assets as the new Constellation Energy. At the time, nuclear was looking a lot less competitive to the industry. It had come to, remember, the industry had come to rely on federal and state subsidies to remain viable because natural gas is just so cheap and plentiful in this country. They saw Constellation as the ugly duckling of the business. Now, fast forward a little over a year later, it's become a beautiful swan. Not only did we get six billion dollars in nuclear subsidies from Biden's bipartisan infrastructure bill, but Constellation Energy seemingly extorted the state of Illinois into giving them additional payola by threatening a shutdown to shut down two their nuclear plants in the state. And look, I might call it extortion, I mean that in the, obviously the best possible way. At the same time, the price of natural gas has soared, making nuclear a little bit more competitive than we ever thought. As an independent power generator, Constellation Energy fuels 20 million homes and businesses, providing 10 percent of all the clean energy on the U.S. electric grid. They also have some legacy fossil fuel assets, although it only accounts for 11 percent of the company's output. And they're planning to phase it out almost entirely by 2030. Thank you. Mainly, though, this story is about nukes. Constellation's got six nuclear power plants in Illinois, three in New York, two in Pennsylvania, and one a piece in Maryland and New Jersey. And if you like new power like I do, this is your one. Now, this company belongs to a small group of publicly traded independent power generators. There are really only three now. There used to be a bunch of them. The other two being NRG Energy and Vistra Energy. But of the three, Constellation is the only thing that even comes close to a pure play on clean energy. They also have the cleanest balance sheet, and they benefit from various state-level nuclear subsidies. The other big difference, Constellation Energy gets the vast bulk of its retail sales from commercial and industrial customers rather than residential ones. These guys get 95% of their retail sales from commercial and industrial. It's not really retail. While that carries lower margins than supplying residential power, it also is much more consistent and predictable. Their profits are pretty much locked in with long term contracts, which is precisely the kind of steady eddy business that Wall Street is craving at moments like this. How about the financials? Now, for a utility like Constellation, you want to watch the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. You have to take out some of these bookkeeping costs because a nuclear power plant experiences a ton of depreciation. In terms of both EBITDA and free cash flow, this company is expected to put up consistent high single-digit to low double-digit growth over the next few years. I'll take that. Now, whether you're looking at EBITDA or free cash flow, Constellation Energy trades at a premium to its peers. It's a bit more expensive than Vistra and a lot more expensive than NRG, both of which have much higher dividend yields. But Constellation has a much stronger balance sheet. Right now they've got six billion in debt, they're poised to pay off two billion of that by twenty twenty five, roughly one billion this year, another billion in twenty twenty five. They have no major debts coming then until twenty thirty nine time. In other words, Constellation has a ton of room to either make acquisitions, reward its shareholders with more generous dividends and buybacks. The analysts who, uh, who covered this one at Goldman Sachs are betting that the company could retire 28% of its shares between next year and 2025. Oh, man, that's, this stock's not going to stay at this level if that happens. At the same time, I think Constellation deserves a premium because of its scarcity value. There are only three publicly traded independent power producers, and of the three it's the only one that's within striking distance of being a pure play on clean energy. Negatives. All right. Right now, Wall Street's worried about two things, the future of government nuclear subsidies and the outlook for uranium pricing, given that Russia's a major producer. And I've heard this over and over again. Hey, got to buy uranium because Russia's in trouble. No, listen to me. I'm not worried about the subsidies uh, because I think the war in Ukraine has been a wake up call for policymakers around the world. Wind and solar simply aren't ready to fill the void. Remember, it has to be windy or it has to be sunny. Those turned out to be not happening nearly as much in Germany. That's right. Look what happened to Germany. They spent the last decade trying to wean themselves off of nuclear power in an effort to go green. Although I don't see what's so green about replacing emission-free nukes with Russian fossil fuels. In retrospect, that looks like a colossal error. How about the uranium issue? All right, look, the price of uranium has jumped ever since Russia invaded Ukraine. But at the end of the day, I'm not concerned here either. While Russia's a top 10 uranium supplier, they only have 8% of the world's reserves. The world's top two suppliers are Australia and Canada. I I don't know. Democracies, close allies. I like them. According to Constellation, they have enough uranium to fuel their reactors for multiple years, regardless of the sanctions on Russia. They typically procure this stuff three years in advance, so it's a non-issue. The thing I am most worried about? The stock's been fabulous. Maybe too fabulous. Maybe too hot. So maybe for those of you who are a little more conservative, just it moved from 43 to 53 in one month's time. So you may have to wait for a pullback because it's, that's very fast for utility. Here's the bottom line on this. If, like me, you believe that America's finally ready to go nuclear after all that's happened, then I think it's worth paying up for Constellation Energy. That said, obviously, I'd like it below 50 on a pullback just because it's had such a move from one month ago. And in Indiana and.
0: Jim, thanks for taking my call. I'm a club member, so yes. grateful. Thank you. So, I, after rereading Getting Back to Even on buying options, I bought a Chevron Deep in the Money call Okay. A test. But the way it trades, can I just say, exponentially up and down, you know, Chevron's had a big run. Could you give me a little coaching on trimming or exiting? Well, I mean, now
3: we know, we know, as, you, as in the book, if a company has a big dividend, we don't really want to be in the deep of the money calls. We want to get that dividend. I think that you could, if you wanted to, sell a, a call above it. But that means that it does lock yourself in. But why don't we do what you did in the club? You know, in the club, we took half our Chevron off because it had such a gigantic move. So I don't want to be duplicitous. I tell, told members of the club to do that. So I come back to you and tell you, it, first, thank you that you're a member of the club. I hope everybody who watches, anybody who watches the show should be a member. You really like it. But that I think that that's your best, po- best course of action. And remember, you want to get that dividend because it's big. All right, let's go to Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Jim, as a founding member of your investment club, I want to thank you for all you do for us. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
4: This home energy
2: solutions company is right in the middle of its 52-week range. It had a nice run over the last several weeks, but I want to know if you still see significant upside, and if so, how far can it go? The stock I'm talking about is in phase.
3: OK, we need some. Uh, obviously, we need the country to be a little bit more oriented toward this in terms of subsidies. It's only up five percent for the year. Uh, it is in the middle. You're absolutely right. I think it's good for a spec. Uh, and the other words, I say this because, by the way, it is probable. It's just it happens to be at a very high multiple. And again, thank you for being a member of the club. Now, people say, oh, Jim, you keep shilling for the club. Look, I think the club's the best thing I've ever done. I mean, I think it's the most educational thing I've ever done. And I, What am I shilling for? I'm shilling for you to be smarter. OK, guilty. Kill me. Uh, I mean, on Twitter only. Philip in Michigan. Philip. Booyah, Jim. Booyah.
1: First time, long time, and I'm a member of the CNBC Investing Club. Thank you for everything you do for us retail investors. Thank Six you. months ago, I sold my home, and my investing time frame is three to five years, at which time I plan to buy a home again, largely on the fund funded with the proceeds of my investing. Since wow. selling my home, I've been heavily invested in the market with your help. I've been able to significantly outpace all three major U.S. indices. Wow. Today, I'm calling about one of the best-dividened utilities, Consolidated Edison. I bought shares about six months ago at a cost an average of seventy-five dollars a share. I was enticed by the dividend and the prospect of capital growth heading into a market decline, as I know utilities are safety stocks. At the time of the purchase, it was not far off the fifty-two week low. Current stock now sits at a fifty-two week high above ninety dollars a share, representing over twenty percent capital appreciation since I bought it several months ago. Should I sell it? i hold it.
3: I want you to sell half. It's had a really big move. I don't like the state regime nearly as much as other states. Uh, I have to be more fan of AAP than kind of we used to have kind of on all the time, but sell half. You've got too big a gain. And if you give back that gain, I will never forgive myself. Uh, and I thank you so much for your confidence in me and my view. All right. I think it is time for the U.S. I actually believe the nuclear power is going to have a chance. I mean, you know, when you talk to the guys from General Electric, they're actually getting some orders in Canada. It could happen. It's finally happened because look what happened. The whole world changed because Germany doesn't have enough energy. So I think it's worth paying up for nuclear power stock, Constellation Energy, but I prefer it under $50 because it just shot up from 43 one month ago. One month ago, much more mid-money including... Cray uh, American favorite, am I diversified? Could diversification be the key to weathering volatility? I'm putting your portfolio to the test. Then we didn't have any significant earnings reports today. So what do people talk about when there's no earnings? They talk about fine. And I'm taking a closer look at the tech cohort. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. After last week's huge market rally, now is a great time to take a deeper look at your portfolio. Want to find out whether you should mix up your holdings, maybe keep them as they are. Remember, we're always looking for companies that are profitable and throwing out the ones that aren't. So let's play Am I Diversified and find out. This is where you call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough. So Omar in New York is our first caller. Omar, what have you got for me?
1: Hey, Jim. Omar from Staten Island, New York. I wanted to thank you on behalf of myself and my investing club, The Money Militia. We appreciate everything you do. For the retail trading and discord community my top five portfolio holdings are amd advanced micro devices aapl apple ko coca-cola jpm jp morgan chase as well as ual united airlines would you say i'm diversified thank you again
3: first i all, thank omar for those kind comments we had a really hard week this week my wife's been away for a while. It's just very tough. I'm trying to do all this stuff by myself. And uh, the the savior has been the, how exciting the market is, and I'm so glad this gentleman's clearly caught it, because he has what I regard as being a very diversified portfolio. Now you might just jump to a conclusion and say AMD and Apple. No, AMD is a semiconductor company, and Apple is a technology delivery company of all different kinds of things. Whether it be my watch, yes, or whether it be your music, or whether it be my credit card. So we're gonna make we're gonna say that Apple is a technology delivery company, AMD is a semiconductor conductor company. J.P. Morgan, not my favorite bank. My favorite bank happens to be Morgan Stanley, or I like Wells Fargo. But J.P. Morgan is very good. United would be my favorite in the airline business, and I think you're always know, going to come back big. And I actually, Jeff Marks and I were debating putting uh, putting Coca-Cola in the portfolio of the Chapel Trust. It's, been very, it's very well run now, and it's got a very good dividend. So that's a very nice portfolio. Why don't we go to uh, Zach in my home state of Pennsylvania. Zach!
4: Hey Jim, big booyah from Eagles Nation. This is Zach in Pennsylvania. I wanna know if I'm diversified. My top five holdings are Microsoft, Home Depot, Duke Energy, Waste Management, and Visa. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Go birds. Jim, am I diversified?
3: Go birds is this guy diversified. Think about it. Waste management moved to the 150, 118, 119 like that, right? Duke Energy, you know, very quality utility company. Didn't used to be, be coal reliant. Now it's better. Visa, well, I've got to tell you, Visa and MasterCard are two um, unbelievably great stocks. High multiple. Home Depot, I'm not as worried about the quarter as many other people. Stocks coming down. It is pl- uh, planning season. And Microsoft, what can I say? into this last decline, we bought even more for the travel trust. So we've got a very good, you know, look, I mean, this is You can call it an industrial company, actually. Uh, And then you have great financial, you have a great utility, terrific retailer, and a great tech. I mean, that's really perfect. And, of course, needless to say, go birds. Let's go to Jennifer in Ohio, please. Jennifer.
4: Hi, Jim. My name is Jennifer, and I'm calling from Ohio. I'm a pioneer member of your CNBC investing club. I would like to play Am I Diversified? And my five stocks are Microsoft, Moderna, United Reynolds, NVIDIA, and Apple.
3: Jim, am I diversified? Well, first I want to thank you for being a Pioneer member. I am going to have to be a little bit tough on you because in this, this time I see tech delivery, okay, I'm calling that. I see semi, but I see another... Uh, pure tech that's like this. So we're going to have to make a change there. Uh, you have a healthcare, Moderna. It's a little risky. I do prefer Eli Lilly. United Reynolds got some nice upside if the economy comes back. That's very good. And also lever to the oil patch. But I think this portfolio, this is the kind of portfolio that needs like a Raytheon technologies. Or we just talked about Coca-Cola. Put in a Coca-Cola. Raytheon being uh, uh, military and Coca-Cola, obviously just a great staple. Just looking for just some different ideas and mix up portfolios a little bit. Uh and I want to thank everyone for being pioneer members of the Investing Club, which anyone who knows the Investing Club knows that, that Jeff Marks and I are just passionate. We do hope you'll join. And don't forget our 10-20 morning meeting every day, including when I was on vacation. They have money's back after the break.
2: Stick around.
3: May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him.
2: The lightning round is coming up next.
3: It
0: is time.
3: And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Steve, tell the right number. Let's start with Water, North Carolina.
4: Walter. Yeah, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Wally from North Carolina. Watch your show every night. Thank you. For many, many years. Thank you. Thank you for my taking my call. And for the financial advice you give us every night. Most appreciated. Thank you. I'm an experienced investor, but I'm confused and need your advice. Okay, I'm here for I you. I have a substantial investment in Bank of America. And the last three days it's been up and down. Wednesday it dropped a dollar ten. However, today it closed at forty three seventy, up sixty-five cent. Right. Many financial analysts. Say it's the best bank stock home. One even gave it a $66 Well, My question for you, is it a stock that I should keep and it will appreciate in the next month, or should I sell? No, I don't want you to
3: sell it. I think as the Fed raises rates, it does well. It sells at 12 times earnings. Again, one of these companies that is not expensive with very good management that I want to own. Let's go to Michael in Delaware. Michael.
4: Booyah, yeah, Jim. Booyah. Yeah. I've started buying in fall of 2020, Alcoa, and I'm, now we're trading at 92. Okay, I've been trading I mean, about it. You cut this what do
3: position you... in half, and then you play with the house's money. I do not want you to give back money. This thing is up straight line like this. That's an unusual parabolic move for that company. I know that aluminum's in short supply because of Russia. You sell half. You let the rest run. Don't need to worry about it. Let's go to Ray in Texas. Ray. Yes. Ray, say Ray. about the Dallas Cowboys. Jim, what do you think of AGNC? No, no. A- AGNC is one of these companies that's been kicking around absolutely forever. It you know, has that yield. Everyone's crazy for it. And then nothing happens. And I don't want to be in something I don't understand what, it, what it's in. So I'm saying no to that. Chase in California. Chase.
4: Good afternoon, Kramer. Hey, Long time fan. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, So my question's on Archer Aviation. I've been following it for a bit. Should millennial investors like me believe in its long-term growth? Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm
3: not going to go there because even though I like millennial investors to take risk, I think taking risks is different from losing money. And losing money is what I think that company's going to do in space before it has any hope. Let's go to Brian in Pennsylvania. Brian!
4: Jim, thanks for taking my call.
3: Oh, man, good to have you. What's going on?
4: Jim, a few years ago, MetLife spun off a thing called Bright House Financial. Yes, it and did. that stock has, has done nothing good since. Is it worth hanging on to for a while, or should I dump it?
3: I'm not really in favor of it. I, You know, it's, it's an inexpensive stock, but I don't know what the catalyst is to make it go faster. I really don't to make it go up from here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by T.G. Ameritrade. Coming up, huddle up. Kramer has a not-so-secret solution to the market's daily blues. And here's a hint. It starts and ends with companies you already know and love. Stick with Kramer.
3: Right now, we're in a vast wasteland of news about individual companies. No company of any consequence is support today. But that does not mean there's nothing to talk about. Whenever there's a news vacuum, commentators and analysts invariably come back and praise what? Well, yes, FANG, my acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Now, this is a little unusual. Normally, when there's good news and the FANG stocks go up, you tend not to hear a good thing about them. Not one word. The same way everybody loves an underdog, nobody wants to go to bat for these massive dominant tech outfits. But when their stocks go down, well, suddenly there's a herd of negative journalists and acolytes and all sorts of analysts who eagerly wonder, they just immediately put, you know you know what I'm about to say, they wonder, is Fang dead? Seriously, how many times have we read this group's obituary? Yet reports of Fang's demise are always greatly exaggerated. And this is from someone who actually wrote obituaries for a living. So I know where I speak. At a moment like this one, there's very little company-specific news. The analysts and commentators are willing to fall back on something boring and obvious, like the fact that these companies are run by brilliant people and they do incredible things. So let me tell you what I just heard. A random day, right, about Fang today. Started with the artist formerly known as Facebook, known as now uh, known as Meta Platforms, which, by the way, is no relation to Meta World Peace. Today, I've got a note stating that CEO Mark Zuckerberg, Plans to use reels, says TikTok knockoff, the blunt TikTok itself. Although I don't want to regard that as news, but you want a new piece of information? Apparently Zuckerberg's strategy is already working. I didn't know that. Did you know that? If true, I think that could be worth 550 points to the stock, which is less than half of what it lost in the days after its most recent not so hot quarter. This is a very exciting development for Facebook. Uh, by the way, I do think they can do that by the end of the uh, second quarter. I think they'll be there, third quarter. Throw in everything that they can do with NVIDIA's omniverse graphics. Please go watch that keynote by Jensen, and you'd, you'd see. They could have an upside surprise come fall. Next up, Amazon. The first day. Just got a boost from an analyst who argues that the stock is so cheap on the sum of the parts that you should own it. That's right. If you broke it up, you'd practically be getting the retail business for free. Well, of course, Amazon isn't going to break itself up, I think the guy was looking for something to say. But when you look at the earnings power of their web services division and their advertising business, I agree, the stock is undervalued. All right, how about the second A, Apple? It looks like they're finally coming around to my idea, that they need to amalgamate all of their popular services into a single subscription bundle. As someone who's been in the subscription business for 27 years, I'm confident that if Apple gave you a bundle we could easily calculate the lifetime value of their subscribers, which would then show Wall Street that the stock is worth a heck of a lot more than what we're paying for it. This has been my dream ever since I hounded management to break out their service revenue as a separate line item. Remember, Apple's not just some gadget maker. It makes the greatest technology apparatus ever created. And that apparatus spawns an incredible different kinds of earnings streams, including this one. Uh, on Twitter, I was looking last night there was someone trashing me. I mean, out of the 60 people who trashed me. And this one was saying, and who is, who are you to have a picture on your phone? What is that about? You're a loser. Okay. This is me and my wife. So if I'm a loser, call me a loser. All right. Next up is Netflix. We've just learned that they're acquiring a third game company called a mobile game developer called Boss Fight Entertainment, which shows you that they take video games seriously as a way to escape from their current growth cul-de-sac. Netflix promised a whole suite, and that's exactly what you're getting. Just rub it in that clown's face. Jimmy, chill. Finally, the G, Google. Now, Alphabet is offering an App Store service with much more generous terms for developers than what Apple offers. That means many content creators will sign up with Google quickly and make a ton of money. And Google will make a ton of money. So remember these innovations the next time some wannabe coroner pronounces Fang dead on arrival. That'll be the perfect moment to do some buying. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.